Hello and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and it's just you and me. Just the two of us. Yep. It's uh, yeah. Jeff Ruder. How are you, man? I'm good. It's been a while since we've uh, just had alone time. I know. Yep. And it's uh, Alex Schieferdecker's birthday, so he's out partying, uh, doing something, probably reading some. And actually, uh, you may have thought it was a coincidence, so we're having gin and tonics tonight. And we don't usually talk about what we drink on the podcast because we actually try to do the abnormal thing where you don't talk about what you drink during recording. But today is my mother's birthday, and her favorite drink is a gin and tonic. So, happy birthday, Ma, and uh, gin and tonics for you. And because it's, uh, you know, it's summertime, it's uh, snowing tonight. It was 70 on Sunday. It'll be 70 next Saturday, but in the middle, a little, a little snow. snow sandwich. Um so since it's just the two of us, uh, we're going to get really intimate, turn the lights down low, um, have some candles. And so with the uh, with the snow falling, we'll talk about Minnesota United falling 2-0 to FC Dallas. Oh, you did back that. Back on it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, lower division soccer, what's going on there with our old, uh, what do we decide, step-parents. And um, we will be spending a little bit of time talking about the joint World Cup bid between USA Canada and Mexico. Yeah, foster parents, I called foster the NSL. Parents, that's what it was. So um, let's go ahead, everyone, compose yourselves. Let's listen to big quarters, play the music, and we'll come back and we'll do the good, the bad, and the weird. Welcome back to the 55 One Podcast. I hope you're enjoying yourself so far. Let's ease into this. Uh, let's start this. This is not a good, the bad, and the weird, but maybe we'll just have two goods. One good is just this little plug I wanted to, to give to, um, five and 18 designs. They're on Twitter. They gave me, I'm going to show you this to you, Jeff. Mm-hmm. They, I'll, I will try to react for all of you five listeners so that you know how you should be reacting. Cue cards. Ready? I, uh, they, I have this scarf mm. and, um, what do you, I'm going to hold it up. What do you see? Half CD ROMs. Oh no, those oh, are uh, those are evil red loon eyes. They're big red loon eyes. So they yeah. um, they hopefully I'll get them oh, to bars. They'll tweet these out. Yeah, it's bars on one side. But um, I want one of those. They made these with the uh, the idea that that you could have like a wall of people holding up the red eyes, staring at people. I, I thought they were pretty awesome. How do I get one of these? Uh, five and eighteen designs. Um, and then they also have a, a Cronin the Barbarian hat and a um. Schuler do hat. I want to stress this sounds like I'm doing a scripted plug by saying I want one of these, but I actually I want one of these. Like, I well, we're not we're this. not getting paid. This is a free plug. That, no, that's that, the best part. They did give me a free scarf, so I, I felt compelled. <sighs> so let's go to the other good. I don't know if this is actually a good, a bad, the weird, but this is the big news that U.S., Canada, Mexico are going to do a, a joint bid for the 2026 World Cup. Uh, and just further details, Jeff Carlisle says that, uh, you know, report, well, everyone reported this, but that the um, bid will have 60 games in the U.S., 10 and 10 games each in Mexico and Canada. What do you think? Um, I saw some really good points about does this mean, because any country that hosts automatically qualifies, does this mean that, like, Canada will play all their group games in Canada, Mexico and Mexico, etc.? Um, and I'd be interested to see that. I also saw that all games quarterfinal and later in the tournament would be in the United States. Uh, it, it looks a little bit to me like Mexico probably could have pushed for more games specifically. Um, I think that they definitely have the infrastructure and grass fields, which is a big knock against Canada. And so I understand why they would have only like 
uh, an eighth of the games. But for Mexico, I, I mean, it's just that they're associated and we won't even get into the politics of why. Well, I, Unless you want to, no. I mean, I, I think rule. that I think that one of the realities that we now face is that because we have a, a three hundred team World Cup, you, you can't host them in single nations anymore. the The only nation you could really do that in is the U.S. Right, um, and so, you're basically doing that by having three fourths of the games there. Right. Um, so it's pretty. So that's the one big bummer because the great thing about the World Cup, so like the Olympics, is that it has a vibe to a particular place. And uh, maybe it has built-in stories to it. You yeah, know. maybe the vibe will be Concacaf fever, and it's just going to be a bunch of sloppy one-nil games, sure. and um, that's going to be the distinct flavor of this World Cup. Is I that think you have to play on literal mud. I haven't I haven't uh, been able to to look into too many of what our Canadian friends are saying, but I have to feel like. Any Canadians upset about this deal? Sure, that maybe they would want more, but they're never going to be able to host a World Cup, right? And even like even, said, even previously, it yeah. would it would be tough under the Mexico. I can completely see the gripe, but what the Mexican Federation is getting is a, a lot of the money because mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of money brought in. So it's totally. A, I think a lot of Mexican fans feel sold out because you could certainly do half and half in the U.S. and Mexico. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, or. Uh, you know, basically do it uh, 40-30-10. Uh, Mexico sure, certainly could have gotten a lot more out of I it. I think so, yeah. And the one bummer I have is I would love to go to a Mexican World Cup. Mm-hmm. But um, if it's in the U.S., most likely I'm going to just, do, you know, unless the right. U.S. is not going to be playing their games in Mexico. Uh, I... I can't imagine. I'd probably just be spending my money to go to those. So as many of the U.S. games as possible, right? Yeah. So no, I, that's spot on. So is this a good, a bad, or a weird? I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I it, it is. Three. It is good for for the U.S. because I think that this is a very good bid. I think that it's very likely that 2026 it will be here. I do wonder what it'll be then 2030. You know, is it? How many, all country, of the stands. how many countries? Let's say all of the stands yeah. gather together. But I'm just wondering, like, what nations will band together? Uh, you know, even France and Germany. I guess they probably could, um, right? But Spain, it's, it's just going to be like all of Europe, and that's right. like <laughs> there's that's, only yeah because you can only do that so many times. And if you want to cycle through so that they feel fresh, I mean, it, it's been 32 years. Once if if they get the bid, 2026 will be 32 years after the last one in North America, but. Um. Yeah. Usually, it just it seems like it cycles through so much longer uh, that you would you would eventually end up with like the European sect, like maybe the the Eastern European, the Western European, um, as two separate ones, and then like an African coalition and a South American coalition, and you're just rotating through the five locations. Right. Like I could yeah. see that happening. And Asia, Asia will certainly. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. To, I mean, Asia Asia exists. It's a continent. It's a big continent. Did you know that? No. Um. Let's go to the bad. Uh, the Deltas, San Francisco Deltas, uh, with have who have several former Minnesota United play, players there. Their second game drew how many people? Uh, seventeen hundred, not thousand. Uh, seventeen hundred thirty-nine people. Yeah, that and this was their second home game ever um, against uh, for the expansion team that that did have a lot of what felt like I, I don't know how much buzz do you build during this NASL offseason, but like well, it, it did. It felt 
like a positive entry. It didn't feel like they were like backing into the league. But buzz only matters in the market. Doesn't care what anyone else is doing. It's harder to do because NASL in general has very little buzz. But um, on the other hand, Miami is getting these big crowds. And well, it's all I, those babes. I, because I'm not close. Yeah, they they yeah. got all the babes for people to come. But uh, because I'm not close to it anymore, I have no sense of if these are how many free tickets are we giving out. So I don't want to cast cast dispersions on on it. But I, I did speak to a couple people who did mildly uh, show show some doubt on that. I, all, I don't know. All I would say is with two impending expansions in 2018 in California and two outside of California. Um, you'd like to see that uh, like expansion teams at least have some sort of initial honeymoon phase um, with if, attendance. If a team could succeed, though, it should be someone like the Deltas. Absolutely. In terms of, I don't know what their front office structure is like, but in terms of they've got money, they're not like, uh, you know, they're not trying to go into a market that already has a team. They know they have players who know how to play in the United States, whether it's MLS, USL, yeah. or NASL. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville Armada are top of the table well of course they're they gonna a, totally they core of jc banks jack blake and aaron pitch colon they're gonna totally um minnesota stars uh, uh league owned win the title bring it let's conspiracy. go to the let's go to the weird which is also an nesl uh story flight 19 who are the the main supporters group for fort lauderdale strikers they started a supporters owned club called Himmershi fc which has a a pretty awesome logo have yes, you seen it, it? you've seen it yeah right. yeah um, but they didn't in the announcement. They didn't announce the league. They said a local league. So are we talking about a supporters own club in like Alex Schieferdecker's? Yeah, uh, yeah, playing faculty staff. Yeah, basically, yeah, league. playing yeah. whatever. I don't know that that did seem weird to me. Yeah, that that part of it seems really weird. That that said, uh, good for them. I mean, why not try your hand at? It, it's it's interesting though because it's supporters own, but it's still facilitated. It must be. In some way, with no, maybe it isn't at all with association to Fort Lauderdale. Would it be? Fort Lauderdale doesn't exist right now, for that matter. I mean, the the city or the no, strikers. The strikers sorry, okay. the city is actually the off the map right now. <laughs> yeah. They're just kind of hiding. Although I, I I don't know. I did see. I think it was Pedro Heiser uh, tweeted a photo of inside uh, Lockhart, and it was just like scrub growing. Up. It was just dilapidated. That's sad. Already, it's called sad. Yeah. So that's the good, the bad, and the weird. Uh, Let's take a break. We'll come back, and it's Minnesota United uh, versus Dal- FC Dallas. No spoilers was, on how this yeah, goes, by yeah. the way. I won't tell you the score, and then we'll come back and do that. Back on the fifty-five-one podcast, and I'm Wes. This is Jeff. Hi, you, Jeff. Uh-huh. We're down in Dallas this weekend. Uh, yes, sir. What, what? How do you? How do? You, what do you take up away from Dallas? Uh, Dallas was full of very interesting and delicious food, um, and for that, I am entirely thankful. I had actually chilaquiles. Yeah, how were they? They how tasted was it? way better than they look. Okay, because it's just kind of like you—you ha- you, they create like chilaquiles four- is uh, chilaquiles. 
Yep, chalacalis, as we all know it properly pronounced, mm-hmm. is uh, breakfast nachos, right? Basically. This, yeah, okay. Yeah. And uh, we had been told ahead of our trip to Los Angeles that we needed to try some, and then we uh, we didn't, and then I did, and they were great. Um, so I recommend those if you ever have a chance to. I think Katie, Katie Jarvie called them a gift for us all, okay. was her review right. on Yelp. Okay. Um, otherwise, yeah, it was, it was fun. I uh, went to the game. And uh, in Frisco, how far outside of Dallas is Frisco? So far, how far? Like, I feel like this could be a Def Jam routine. Yeah. Um, it my flight from Houston to Dallas was quicker than my drive from Frisco to Dallas. Wow, which wasn't great. Is that, are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. I timed it. Yeah, and it, and credit to my sister who. So I, I I spent the weekend hanging out with my sister and her husband, also named Jake. Um, that's weird. Yeah, uh, my sister's name isn't Jake. My sister is named Bethany. Anyway, um, that's less weird. Yeah, uh, definitely less. She drove normally. She actually was what able if both to both of their names were Jake. If all of their names were Jake, and then there's my brother Jake, who's sitting drinking a tea right now, probably. Yeah. Um, they she took a route that avoided the traffic heading out of the stadium, so it's not like it includes like ten minutes in a parking lot. Yeah. Um, but the route was just forever and you're just, basically you drive by and it's like here's a restaurant that has uh it's a southern comfort dining place that has the word chicken in the name of the restaurant and then you drive another like two tenths of a mile and there's another chicken place and they all are just named the same thing um so that was not great that location uh, i i understand why uh, they had some attendance issues over the last couple of years, especially once you get to like 110 degrees and then you're driving 50 minutes or whatever. I get it. Yeah. It makes the drive to Blaine seem adorable, frankly. Yeah. And uh, I won't say I miss that, but yeah. Um, and then the the game itself, uh, well, the, you were with, there was uh, like 30 or so uh, Dark Clouds there. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I went heard, Gonzo style and I stayed with them. that uh, the... Dallas uh, security did not know what to do with the dark clouds or something like this. Yeah, uh, there was a, there was a point. I don't know how far we want to dig into this, but uh, about twenty five minutes. Yeah, into give us it, give us the short. Yeah, there were supporters for or like season ticket holders for Dallas. Were like we were in our seat, da 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 da. Even though security had walked us to our spots, and so we all had to walk out in the concourse during the twenty fifth minute or so, and then look on our ticket and be like, "This is my seat," and then walk to it like a lemming, and then plot. And there was like no buffer between, which is not standard. Usually, there's at least a row or two in. Between between um, home fans and then the supporters who are traveling. Um, so that was bizarre. It was weird missing about five minutes of the game while you're standing on a concourse looking at your tickets. But um, so it goes. I mean, the game itself was... Uh, Did you have fun? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, and it was it was an incredible atmosphere. I think once that second goal went in for Dallas, you could finally hear the fans across the stadium. Credit to, uh, I think it's... Is it El Matadori? Is that their... Uh, um, yeah. yeah, they, I mean, they just, They're in, had, in one of the corners, yeah, yeah, they had just a drum beat, like kind of like a Calypso drum beat going in the corner for the full 90, the same beat. And it was hypnotizing, honestly, like I could see how for players you could get sucked into it eventually. Um, and they, uh, I mean, the whole stadium got loud once they finally scored, uh, and Javi Mo um, scored because now he's one of three players in MLS history with 50 goals and 50 assists in his career, which is pretty damn remarkable. Um, and so he scored that 50th goal against Minnesota with what looked like a phantom toe poke. I couldn't even really tell where he made contact with it. And, um, but once they got that second goal with Michael Barrios in the 49th minute, that's when they finally kind of woke up and it was loud and, and you really felt like you were at a road game and not a neutral site. Yeah. 
So let's let's take it back then and actually talk about then that first sure, half and sure. stuff because um I mean one of the things that we can talk about is how normal the game felt. It was yeah. it was a a normal loss that we had where uh you know it was only two nothing. It and, wasn't embarrassment. It wasn't hyperbole. It, basically for for me my experience watching it was we got past the 5th minute I was like we didn't give up a goal. We got past the 15th minute we didn't give and I think it was like the previously we had the longest we had gone was seventeen seventeen minutes, minutes yeah. before giving up a goal. In Did the you game. hear the dark clouds during like five minute intervals up until that first goal? No, where I, we started a in the twentieth minute we're not losing, and, <laughs> and then every five minutes until they conceded, I started a still not losing oh, chant. That's good. And it kept going and going, and that wing of the stadium was just turning back and just like come on. And then finally they conceded, and then we went. Now we're losing, and everyone gave us a round of applause. It was great. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Um, the fun that you can have on a road day. <laughs> the uh, the the goal, as you said, it, it was. It's one of those that it's um, it's hard to be too upset about. Yeah, um, mostly because it's not one that you can pick apart, right? It's not. Well, the, the second one, Sam Cronin gives up the ball. There's some, you know, people are a little bit wonky spacing, and but the first one. It's been kind of a continual theme across most of these games so far is marking in the box on um, lofted crosses, either off of corner kicks or free kicks or the run of play, Um, just missed marks. This one again, um, it was Birch, I believe, who was on Walker Zimmerman, which is a bit of a mismatch as far as height. Zimmerman then heads it across and it finds Javi Moe's toe, um, who's able to willfully put it above uh, Shabby Buttleworth. Yeah. Yeah. We don't do we. I've decided that we don't do funny nicknames for our guys. Only cool nicknames. Okay, so no spoonerisms. You're saying yeah, take that, yeah. Dan Mick. Unless um, unless it, unless it's a, a fun one. We tried Jesus Subtleworth for a bit. Too. Oh, that's yeah. good. All Thank right. you. Uh, that's I, that. That was part of my deciding no longer to call him. If if he leaves the club, he'll go back to Mrs. Buttersworth. But okay. I realize. Are we good with Jesus Shuttleworth? Yeah, sure. All right, good. Okay. I mean, I mean, workshop. We'll workshop. We'll it. workshop it. We're riffing, guys. We're riffing. Let's let's talk about um, the 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 changes. We had Cronin and Birch come in. Those obviously those are the only two changes. Yes. Uh, what what's your what did you make of them? You could tell right away from the first ten minutes that there, there was a de- first off they didn't concede, but there was a defensive composure that Minnesota had that you just hadn't really seen as far as. Um, Generally, in the first five games, once they would clear a ball, if it would only make it back to like the midfield and the opposition would get it, they would be kind of caught like, oh, that didn't do it. And then would there was a little bit of hesitancy to get back and repositioned, and that's when a lot of teams were scoring their goals against Minnesota. Yeah. And that wasn't the case because Cronin and Birch and uh, Brent Coleman as well were the vocal leaders that day. And uh, Francisco Calvo, to his credit, was a bit too. Um, and there was just a much better communication between those five players and yes i'm leaving out one of the defensive midfielders but we'll talk about him later um but those five were in including jerome tieson were in good communication we're holding a line we're able to catch um dallas offside and um it was a much tighter ship i thought than anything that you'd seen in the first five games certainly and so I think that's also not a fluke because that's just the kind of players that Birch and Cronin are. You know, when you have 35,000 combined minutes in MLS, you understand how to hold an offensive trap. You know how to regroup and to knock down second chances, and they showed it. 
Yeah, the I thought I thought Birch was um, okay. He had an okay night, um, not particularly stellar in any way, and but wasn't terrible. Um, Cronin, I thought, was a breath of fresh air. Sure, but he did have a couple of shots on goal or mm-hmm. shots. Oh, that amazing that, that amazing shot from distance. Yes, was that's not something that was in his scouting but, report. But his tackling, his his way of helping control the game. And we can talk about the fact that I know that there's a lot of complaints that Warner was next to him, and you probably were going to talk about this. But um, I'll defend it at first, which is to say, the I, against Dallas away, so mm-hmm. any away game in MLS, you need to be careful because home the home team has such an advantage in MLS, right? And it, especially against Dallas, who are a team who are like in their genes. They are the type of team that should shred the hell out. They actually of us. wore shorts this yeah. game. They didn't wear jeans. They didn't. Oh well. Okay. So, but in fair, my, I, in I see my what you're day, saying. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think the, the first priority should have been lock this down. I think the first priority is get a clean sheet in that first half. I yeah. was really bummed they couldn't just They're very close. Yeah. And then you've got the attacking talent. You can get there. Um, I think that we will continue to see. Warner and Cronin employed in games like this. It may so like against Houston. Yeah, I think I think that Warner in particular, you would want him starting uh, against Houston, right? He knows their players. Yeah, um, and I think that he can help control it. And then you bring, you know, this was your thing originally, bring in Ibsen or something. That wasn't my thing, but carry on. And uh, you wanted Ibsen to come in late. Oh yes, sorry, I thought you meant that he should be starting. Carry on. And then, yeah, and then um, <laughs> I think at home you can play differently. But one of this, the lineups we are going to see is Warner and Cronin next There haven't other. been many things on this podcast through recording our first X episodes that I've been so quickly defensive on. But the idea of me wanting to start Ibsen, for some reason, that Do was not. the one what? I was like, you I shut did your not. Mouth. <laughs> I will not have. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think you're spot on, especially with these road games. And I think with Dallas, um, I had also put when I did my rewind that I had said that Warner and Cronin would be good. And the the feedback that I got from a lot of people, including, including um, actually most of the feedback about that midfield was there is no connection between the defense and the offense. And to be fair, you didn't see a lot of that. I think there was a lot of passing that went through the wings, but you rarely saw the ball go from either Cronin or Warner and either get shuttled up by them and dribbled into the attacking half or pass directly to a Venegas or to Ramirez. You didn't see much of that because both of them are through and through defensive midfielders. That said, um, Cronin is, is also, he's, I mean, I will say that Cronin is also a guy who does distribute the ball. He's decently, a complete player. So. He is a complete player. I would agree I, with that. I mean, I don't think that, I don't, I think that people are maybe have a little bit too rigidity in their, in their mind about, about these guys that about I, most and I would contend, but he is also someone who's proven in his time in the league that that is where his best position is. Um, but the, the, the counterpoint to what you were saying then is when you get home or when you're playing in games that aren't against such stout. Uh, so if you were going back to the Colorado game and you had Cronin this time instead of facing off against him, maybe you're putting Rasmus Schuler in instead of Colin Warner. Yeah. And maybe he's a guy who could Colin Martin or Colin Martin. Exactly. One of those two. Um, Again, just one of those two. I'm just so very quickly to end it before. Anyway, um, where they still have the defensive wherewithal where they're going to be able to track back. They're going to partner well with Cronin, but they also have the creativity um, and just the pure distribution skills to be able to get the ball to whoever's at the second striker position or to be able to kick it out wide 
um, with kind of a, a, a change of direction pass. So, um, yeah, we're I not, think I mean, we're not going gonna... to go ahead. We're not going to be playing possession soccer in Dallas. No, in LA, you know, the, you are, we are going to be lumping the ball from the fullback to the wing. We're mm-hmm. going to be putting the ball, there will be more directness and that's, and certainly, certainly we are going to have to have flexibility and that's why you want good Good Absolutely. players that you can move in. And we still don't have, we'll talk about depth later. I think there's a Twitter question, yeah. but we still don't have that, that depth that we really need. Um, but I think that that midfield, we now have a couple of the parts and we need to see if um, Ibsen is the guy to help be that creative spark. Or I don't know if Martin will get the chance. I don't know if any young guys will get the chance in this team, but I, uh, I will say one last thing. And you started to touch on this is that we are starting to see that there will be a lot of flexibility with Minnesota. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think you're ever going to see like the tried and true best 11, like during the 2014 Bruce arena MLS cup run when it was just the same 11 players every week. And you're like, of course that's what you're going to get. Or with Seattle last year, you know, a a lot of those teams, you know exactly who you're going to get every week. I don't think you're going to see that with Minnesota. And I think that's fine because I think that a lot of that is going to be game planning and then like you alluded to you'll have players called up to the gold cup you'll have players in world cup qualifiers that's gonna be the main thing yeah. and international quarters and injuries and suspensions and so you're going to need to be flexible let's um let's do a couple good good and bads here uh i'll start off with a bad and you can think of whether you want to do a good or a bad but um i thought kadri uh after last week when we we said he was starting to he started to show something i thought he was mostly invisible he still is wants to attack which is great but he was he does not track back to help defend um he doesn't have a right foot that you know I've seen. yeah it, and so it, it is it is a little bit like i don't know i don't know if miguel gets a run out a little bit more in uh in houston but um he certainly did not cover himself in glory as they say as the cliche goes mm-hmm. what, what do you want to point out um i first off i would absolutely second that um I think that that's the position that you Let's can... put it to a vote. Listeners, it passes. It okay, passes. Yeah, we, we go. got a two-to-one majority. Right, Good. There we go. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you're you're spot on there. I think that that's the area, and I talked about this in Rewind that last week on 55-1. Um, that's where you bring in a DP, and I think that that's where you could see the most like growth in one position. Um, it's not a Minnesota thing, but I do want to highlight Jesse Gonzalez. Who had an absolute headstand against Minnesota? Some incredible reflex saves. Some not even necessarily their starting keeper because Chris Seitz is. But I think he should. So so uh, Jesse uh, made his name in 2015 when he was anchoring their Shield contending um, side, and he was like a 22 year old. He was going to commit to the U.S. national team, and then suddenly Mexico. Uh, or then he switched and now he's or then he committed to playing for Mexico and it was like a big to do because he was going to be the bright young American goalkeeper now. Um, and then last year he lost his spot to Chris Seitz, who's held on to it. Take since. that. Boom. Which is a, a great mark <laughs> for where you're at. Um, but Seitz had the day off. He had been the goalkeeper, I believe, in Tuesday against Pachuca. Yeah. And uh, Gonzalez got his chance. He's had two starts in MLS this year and he has two clean sheets. I, I I don't know why. If he's and, for some and reason he made, forcing uh, down uh, the death chart. And three of those saves were amazing. Yes. So the, yeah. Minnesota is absolutely unlucky not to have at least one, if not two goals from that game. Yeah. And yeah. that's a credit to Jesse Gonzalez, who I still think should be starting every week. Um but we don't cover FC Dallas very closely, so eh. Um, <laughs> at all. At all, really. Uh, I think I called them the burn at one point, actually, in one of the drafts of my articles. Um, 
Otherwise, I don't know. Was there anyone else that you wanted to uh, talk? I, the, the the lack of a third substitute. I don't know. I don't really care about that, honestly. I, I mean, thought that you could put in Miguel for someone, but um, yeah, sure. I mean, sometimes you just don't. I, I I don't know if it's. There are times when that's frustrating, and times when it, it it didn't matter to me. But maybe by that point in the game, I had enough to drink that I didn't. Yeah, care, maybe. But. Um, in roster related news, uh, today on Monday. United announced that they've loaned out center back Joe Greenspan to the Pittsburgh Riverhounds. It, the, it's one of those MLS USL loans, which means that technically the only place he'll ever be loaned out for the 2017 season is Pittsburgh, but he might go back and forth and back and forth um, like a game of Red Rover. Yeah. The saddest game of Red Rover, by the way, running across from Minneapolis to Pittsburgh and back. Um, uh, I mean, I would say the uh, the... I mean, Cleveland and Buffalo Red Rover is is pretty. How about Cleveland to Wichita? Oof. Okay, it's about Um, as bad as it gets. Yeah. So Joe Greenspan, it's just a month long loan, um, and so that's that's what uh, Meg Ryan reported. Well, no, the expectation. This is what the club actually said in their press release um, was that they expect him to be back in May. It was interesting that they actually said like we expect him to be back in May, even though it had the caveat that he could this loan could go back and forth through the rest of the season. Yeah, and. And the the impression, you know, talking to people um, in 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 the club, it, it's largely that this guy hasn't had regular regular playing time in a long time. We need to get him ready, up and running. He's had a little bit of fitness issues, mainly with the concussion. Yep. And this is a way to get him games. He's not going to get good games here. Um, and so, and if I'm looking at it, this summer Calvo is certainly going to be on a Gold Cup roster, or World Cup qualifiers. Right. Hell, Jermaine Taylor might be with Jamaica. Yeah, his last call up was in October of 2016, so it's not that far fetched. And so, you might be missing your first center back and your third center back. So, you will need these guys to step up. And, and if you can get Greenspan, who's had a run of games in the USL, and you can bring him in and try to incorporate him as the third guy or the second guy, even uh, that certainly is more advantageous than just letting him sit on the bench. And I don't think people should. I mean, there will be. There's going to be. I don't know if it's between now and June. In the next few months, there will still be lots of signings. There will be center backs coming in. There will be midfielders. There's going to be a lot of movement still. Um, this club, uh, you know, and we said this before the season, uh, that this club, when we start, will look very different in June. Yes. And already we can see where that I would expect is happen. two or three more moves before you get to June. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, we've, we, yeah, we've basically hit the Minnesota United stuff. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk Twitter. It's the 551 podcast and it's Twitter time. You can also send us questions. You can send them to me if you want to email me, um, Westperdine at 55.1. And, uh, or just anytime you can, you know, if, if you're like sending these questions and it's not Monday when we're putting out the call, just let us know this is actually for the pod or something like that. Yeah. That helps that we should actually uh, keep it in our little Google Doc. But, uh, let, why don't you start with this one from Andy Johns? Okay, so uh, Andy asks, with the addition of Sam Cronin, do you guys feel there's still a spot on this team for Jeb Brofsky at Minnesota United after he returns from injury? Um, yeah, I would say so. I, I, I think that there still are only two truly 
kind of defensive minded midfielders on this roster. And if you're looking at right back, um, which is a position that Jeb can play very well with a defensive mentality behind TA song, you've got uh, Viva, who's a very different type of player than Brovsky. So I, I think that especially just to see if he's going to be healthy enough and if he's going to be able to build into a stronger, fully healthy knock on wood 2018 campaign. Yeah. I would absolutely take a flyer on Jeb. Yeah. What's funny. I, it, it depends on a couple things. It may be that Heath has seen Viva play and he's like, I don't, I don't see this guy um, being a, a number two um, or even pushing for a number one spot. Um, he's not going to sign uh, Brovsky to push for, to basically supplant Tiason because yeah. I think Tiason's been great. And also, but he could bring him in and say, this guy's going to do a good job of backing us up in these couple of positions. And he's been on three expansion teams, so he'll have the experience yeah. to keep the locker room afloat. It, it, I mean, that depends. I mean, I, I could see at this point uh, them not going for it. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it just, just if they just don't want to take a flyer on him, they, mm. if they, they don't have any maybe in, innate uh, loyalty to him. And, and, Absolutely. Uh, and I, so, yeah. I will say, though, after talking to Amos McGee, uh, which I did last week for MLS Soccer, um, he did highlight that the quality Name drop. That... On Amos McGee? On MLS side. Okay, got it. <laughs> uh, Out, outlet drop. Outlet Sorry. drop, there we go. Uh, he did tell me that some of the boxes that Cronin checked that the roster didn't really have were MLS experience, uh, veteran savvy, defensive-minded, and a domestic player. And those are all things that I think still describe Jeb Brovsky. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I want him back. Uh, I have such a good time talking to him and interviewing him, but if we'll see. I think that... Look, they were always going to sign someone in Cronin's spot, so it's not like this should be a surprise. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, BC Brown says, would you agree that consistency is the biggest issue? First team talent seems fine. Worried about in- injuries. That's, um, that's, that sounds less about consistency and more about depth. Well, I, no, that, I mean, that still is, yeah. I, I think that through six games, because the lineup has been so... Bombarded by call-ups, suspensions, trades, etc. That yeah, consistency has yet to show. Um, but I don't know. I I can definitely see where if one player falls to injury, you're wondering, well, now what? Depth is a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, if Calvo's out, if Molino's right out, now, we're Molino's screwed. the one I look at. I'm like, oh. yeah. Who who do you, where what do you do? Do you put Venegas out wide? Do you put Miguel on one side? And then you Miguel and Kadri on the wings? Do you put a Boo out of position there? You know, it's that's uh, scary. I'm I'm not too worried about that. I mean, Molino has been big, but I do think that there are there's enough. You know, we said we had five. Uh, well, and then we lost Gat, but we had five yep. players for that position. Abu Dinladi can play out over there. I, I don't. I don't think it's it's may mayhem if if he's out, but there is a distinct drop in quality from the number ones and number twos. Yes. You know? um, so I do, maybe that's exactly what uh, you're saying. Dave so. at Vingenius. Shout out to Dave, by the way. I, I stood with him in Dallas. He's another Minnesotan who made the trek down. Um, and then there was uh, there was someone who you met who taught with me or something like that, and then you forgot his name. Well, no, he's a, he's a Patreon patron, and so he said that he was going to shoot us a message about content that he wanted to see, and then I can prove to you that, yes, there was someone who wanted me to say hi to you. So uh, Dave did say... Uh, the question is, Wes is to Zlatan as Jeff is to blank. Wes, what's your answer? 
Oh, I didn't know. I thought you were preparing the answer. You, you, no. You... Do you, do you have just an immediate reaction? If you are Zlatan, hold on. I now I I've got to think. You you give your answer. And I My answer is Tyrone Mings because we could do the same bad thing. You'd get off with a two game suspension, and I'd take a five. Yeah, that's timely. Okay, I mean, I'm trying to think of a really young and overrated. Just kidding. <laughs> Tyrone uh, Mings. It's still Tyrone Mings. Let's go. Um, Max at Hockey Milwaukee. Could U.S. Bank Stadium be host for some World Cup group games if Canada, et cetera, get their bid? Um, sure, I mean, they could. Add, add, add to this, it, you know, by then, Cloud City will be up and running. I Well, so the, the interesting thing is the 94 World Cup is still the best attended World Cup, despite having 12 fewer games than every World Cup after that, or every World Cup after 22, or 2002, sorry. Um, so I, I would think that they're going to kind of keep the whole North America, everything is bigger as far as attendance goes. So I don't know why, but, well, that's why. <laughs> why I think U.S. Bank would be more likely than Cloud City, um, yes. or yeah. Oink City. Uh, I don't know, do you have a uh, uh, any sort of inkling there? Um, I, I would find it very doubtful. I mean, there's so many places so much higher on the list, uh, than, uh, than Minnesota. And I think that Minnesota is going to have to be, uh, they're just, there's never been any connection to getting FIFA games or any of these or being involved with the bid process. I, I, I just don't see it. Sorry. Sure. Uh, at Steve Lindley asks, what food truck or amenity from NSC do you two miss the most? This is a really good question. I mean, it's Anchor food truck, obviously. Anchor's yours? Yeah. Because I also moved away from Northeast Minneapolis, so I don't, I don't, oh, have, so I don't have Anchor down the street. Um, I miss the wasp nest that grew just outside of the press box um, during August of the final season. That was fun. Press box name drop. A. Miguel Cervantes says, uh, given Orlando City's supporters' stand name, uh, which is... Isn't that the purple wall? The purple wall? Okay. Um, is the Wonder Wall still tenable for the future Minnesota United FC section? If no, what do you two suggest? I know that there's at least one 55-1 uh, uh, editor who is really high on uh, calling it the Wonder Wall and has been trying to figure out how to that? engineer this. Uh, Bill Stenross name is, drop is, has been yeah. yeah. Um. So, so yeah. I mean, you're not you're not alone, Miguel Cervantes. Uh, I I think it's a great name. Sure, why not? Yeah. Do you, I don't even know if I have a, a better name for it. Um. Well, let's see. You could do. You don't have to spitball. Okay. Spitball you, you wall. Think. You Spitball yeah, exactly. wall. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then finally, let's end on this. RNF says, "What's your prediction for Minnesota United's first clean sheet?" Oh, that's def not definitely. That looks to be the next home game against Colorado. I'll tell you at, at this point. Basically, they are like a a teenage boys uh, <laughs> a teenage bed, boys bedroom what? right now with the, the just oh. basically nocturnal emissions. Left no clean right. sheets left. Yeah, yeah. Making excuses for the lack of clean sheets around. Yeah, basically, yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Did, did you actually give a date there? I was still thinking. Yeah, the of, Colorado game. Okay. Yeah. So the next home game, which is the twenty. Yeah, that's a that's 30? a good good bet. Sure. 
Okay. Can we talk about Colorado for a hot second here? Yeah. Uh, Where Josh Gatt made the bench and didn't sub in and Mo Saeed wasn't in the 18 in their first game in Colorado. That was weird. And they lost. Yeah. To. (laughs) We did our research, didn't we? I think that was Kansas City. Uh, Yes, it was. You're right. Yeah. yeah, Tim Tim Howard and Dom Dwyer had a a very passionate meeting in the center of the field before they ran off to the tunnel for a makeout. Yeah. Um, I. That was weird because I'd gotten the sense from people in Colorado that the, the they saw Mo Saeed as like an immediate plug-in alongside Azira and Boateng in that midfield. And then Gatwood, you know, like what Minnesota was thinking, like hopefully one of these days he'll be ready to play soccer professionally. Um, and yet Mo was the one who wasn't even in the roster. Do you think Heath got on the phone and was like, no take backs? <laughs> I would. I would like I I looked at that and I was just and with how Cronin's performance was Birch's performance and I still we talked about this last week with Sheaf too I don't get it from Colorado's end and that's fine like that's that's not again who we cover like the Dallas Burn we don't focus on the Rapids or the Wiz or any of these other teams but why it it, it, it I know it's a salary cap dump but hey don't don't look in that horse's mouth um which horse's mouth should I look at I feel like you have advice here. Yeah. I mean, also, there's, there's you never, you didn't come up with an overrated young guy for the Zlatan question. No, because you told me that you would come up with the answer. Oh, I so I, I, no, I, I you wasn't thinking of it. No, I didn't. Well, thanks. I'm sorry. I mean, that's, I'm glad that you didn't come back and you weren't <laughs> like, yeah, I remember Curlin from like the mid 2000s from oh. Brazil who never panned out as a professional. So thank you. You're basically the Jack Blake to my Zlatan. Klaus in the woods. Um, all right. Well, thank you. My name is Wes Berdine. I'm on Twitter at MNNiceFC, and I am, uh, I'm I'm uh, happy to do this again. And uh, Jeff, you can... I am at Jeff Reuter, and that's all. And you can find my email address. Shout out to the, uh, the two uh, college students who've emailed me asking how we keep 55-1 afloat over the last week. That's been really cool to talk with you guys. Oh. How, like, do they think we're, like, underwater? No, they, they, they think that we're a very finely run machine. Oh, okay, great. I was, I was very confused. All right, <laughs> Investigative anyway. Investigative journalism for And we are out. Thank you very much. See ya.